This morning, if you have your Bibles, we're continuing the story of Joseph. The last uh, time last week when we were together, uh, Joseph was in prison. But he sent word with a cupbearer who was going back to Pharaoh, when you go back, would you remember me? But he didn't. Our story continues today. Two years later, Pharaoh has a couple of dreams. Fat cows and skinny, ugly cows and really good-looking grain and horrible, shriveled-up grain. The bad consumes the good, and when Pharaoh wakes up, it says his mind was troubled. We continue uh, the story, starting at verse 8 of Genesis 41, if you're following along. In the morning... His mind was troubled, so he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servant, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night. And each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was impaled. So, jo so Pharaoh sent for Joseph. And he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream I was standing on the bank of the Nile. When out of the river there came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean. I had never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. The lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows that came up first. But even after they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They looked just as ugly as before. Then I woke up. In my dream, I saw seven heads of grain, full and good, growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin, scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told this to the magicians, but none of them could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up Afterwards are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain, scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. 
It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it soon. And now, let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, and there is no one so discerning and wise as you, you shall be put in charge of my palace, and all my people are submit are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to your word today, we come with anticipation that you, by your Holy Spirit, continue to speak through your word Lord, would you come and do just that in our hearts and in our lives today, for we ask this in Jesus' name. As you begin this chapter, it almost happens so quickly, you just want to fly through it, especially if you're familiar with the story. But it starts with this phrase, after two full years have passed. And you want to just jump right into the story. Can we pause a minute? Two full years years. It's a long time. It's a long time if you happen to be sitting in a prison. It's a long time if you've been praying to God and seeking help and hope. Do you suppose Joseph, during those two full years, ever thought to himself, God, the cupbearer I asked to remember me has forgotten me. God, have you forgotten me? We have times like that in our lives. Stretches of life where we're not sure what's coming. We just know where we are and it's not in a good place. But God was at work. He was at work in the life of Joseph, but he was also at work in what was going on around them. So just three things this morning I'd like to talk about. One is the dream that God gave to Pharaoh. You know, the land of Egypt, rich in history, when, when we think about the history of Egypt, you know, we think of things like the Great Pyramid and, and the Sphinx, the tombs that have been discovered filled with all kinds of riches, an amazing array 
of the result of research, of archaeology. You think about it, into, into the midst of what was the world power at the time, there was no nation more powerful than the Egyptians. And into that world, God drops a boy who was 17 at the time. Nobody would have noticed. Well, Joseph noticed, pulled away from his family, from his dad who he loved, his brothers who didn't love him. But he sold as a slave. And for doing the right thing, he ends up in prison and spends a long time there. But God's at work in the midst of all of it. It says that Pharaoh had a dream that he was standing by the Nile River. It struck me that God was at work in the midst of this story. But the way God was at work was not just about Joseph. We begin to get a sense that God is at work in a way bigger, more profound way than we can even wrap our heads around. God gave dreams to Pharaoh. Don't miss that. And the dreams that he had troubled him because he didn't know what they meant. Have you had times like that in your life? Finding yourself in a place of trouble, a trouble that wakes you up in the night, you don't know what to do. You, what do you do? Well, most of us, when we go through that kind of a stretch of our lives, we start looking for solutions. And that's exactly what Pharaoh did. He, he went to the go-to of, of what he usually did when he was seeking answers. He called the wise counselors of his land and the magicians. And he said, here are the dreams I had. This is really bothering me. Tell me what these dreams mean. And they couldn't do it. A lot of times when we go through struggles in our lives, we, we start looking for answers, for hope. And, you know, you might call a friend or you might call a counselor or you might do all kinds of things. Head to the bookstore, to the self-help area. There is one who ultimately can make the difference in our lives when our minds are troubled. Pharaoh was about to find out who that was. Pharaoh would find out because the God of all creation cared not just for Joseph, he cared for the people of Egypt. God cares for the world, not just a small little group. The heart of God has always been to bring His presence into the lives of the people of this earth. That they would see Him and know Him and know His goodness and love. There was a time when one of the kings, this would be years later, the king was Hezekiah, a godly king of Judah, the southern kingdom. And he was under attack by what was the world power then, the Assyrian government, and, and the king was Sennacherib. He was about to decimate the people. Hezekiah would pray, and, and listen to what he would pray. Lord, the God of Israel, you alone are God over the kingdoms 
of the earth. Did you hear that? The God who is God over the kingdoms of the earth. And even though the, this, this king Sennacherib was ridiculing the people of God and their God, Hezekiah would pray, Lord, would you deliver us so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are Lord and God. That all the world may know. It's why God gave dreams to Pharaoh. It's why in the New Testament you would see Jesus come to this world for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's why you would see in the ministry of the Apostle Paul, a guy pulled out of his narrow view of religion, a faithful Jew, a Pharisee, who would be brought into a face-to-face encounter with Jesus, and his life would be changed forever. And he would give, be given a call, not to Jewish people, but rather to everybody in the world that was not Jewish, all the Gentiles, this transformational message of Jesus Christ began way back in the book of Genesis. And how did God do that? Well, when Paul would write to the church in Rome, you get a sense of the clarity of the message of the good news. But you also realize it wasn't Paul preaching in some huge evangelistic meeting. It was God raising up believers and putting them right where they lived, right where they worked. Paul came along and refocused them on who Jesus was and and what Christ had accomplished. But it was as they went out into the places where they worked and lived that God would move in a powerful way. And it's what God did with Joseph. A Hebrew slave put in the prison system and God would use him in a profound way to break into the history of the nation of Egypt. Finally, two years after Joseph was left in prison, the cupbearer would go, oh, I forgot There's this Hebrew slave I met while I was in prison. He was able to tell us the meaning of our dreams, and it happened just as he said. Do you ever wonder about the timing of God? Do you ever find yourself waiting, going, Lord, really? I wonder how many times Joseph wondered that as he sat in that prison and worked. God's timing It's not always our timing, but his timing is perfect. The book of Galatians we read, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. When all things had come together, then God broke in by sending his son. And in the story of Joseph, when things had come to a place, when the time was right, God entered in and raised up this Hebrew slave, brought him out of the prison. All Pharaoh was troubled in his mind, but there was only one who was going to give him the answer he needed, just like you.
there is one who will bring meaning and hope to your life. So we find Pharaoh sending for Joseph. They clean him up, they shave him, they put appropriate clothes on, and he finds him standing, he finds himself standing before the world leader of the most powerful nation at the time. Don't miss that. Can you imagine somebody who's been sitting in prison for years, insignificant in that culture, not even from that place, being brought before the most powerful leader in the world and being given a hearing? That doesn't just happen. I mean, you try that. You try getting an audience with the president. Try to get an audience with the governor. But God did what God does. He breaks through in human history. And that's what he did here. So Pharaoh, verse 14 says, Pharaoh sent for Joseph, quickly brought him from the dungeon. He was shaved, changed his clothes. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. And Pharaoh says, no, I can't. (laughs) But, pretty important word, but. But God, God will give the answer that Pharaoh seeks. Again, we see God at work here. The the young man speaking, standing before Pharaoh, he's a humble man. He's a different man than he was when he was a 17-year-old boy. He's been to school, the school of hard knocks. He is much more mature. And there is no attempt on his part to go, aha, there's an opportunity here. I might be able to work myself in to the good graces of Pharaoh. None of that. He just comes and tells the truth. I can't interpret that. But God can do what you ask. God can break in and give you meaning, the meaning that you seek. Do you know why you're here? I mean, church? No, I'm not talking about that. If you're younger, you're here because your mom and dad made you come. I'm talking about the bigger, why are you here? Has God given you a dream? Do you have a sense of of why you're here, what you're supposed to be doing with your life? Do you understand that you were created with purpose in mind? See, in the life of Joseph, when he's sitting in that prison, I'm not sure he had the wherewithal to be even able to put that dream he had had as a boy into context. Pretty easy in the midst of those full two years to forget the promises of God, to forget the dream. But God doesn't forget, and He hasn't forgotten you. He has a purpose and a plan, a meaning for your life, a meaning for the dreams that someday, somehow He wants realized in your life. I was thinking about probably the most famous speech in our country about dreams, and it came from Martin Luther King. When Martin Luther King would say, I have a dream, 
Part of that speech goes like this. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the context of their character. I think we've forgotten that dream. I think we're regressing back to an idea where we make all big decisions based on the color of our skin. Never has that been God's plan or purpose. Martin Luther King understood that. Martin Luther King understood what the Scripture said, that we are created as human beings. The color of our skin doesn't matter at all. God has never looked on the outside. God looks where? To the heart. Martin Luther said, to the place of character. Oh, that we would be looked upon for the character of our heart. That's what God does. And when God looks, He sees our great need. And he longs to break into our lives. Martin Luther King in this same speech would say, I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted. Every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain. The crooked crooked places will be made straight. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. That was a dream that Martin Luther King had. It's a dream that God has. That we as people, as human beings of all backgrounds would be drawn together and see revealed to us in this world of darkness the light of God in Jesus Christ. He is our hope. There's none other. Meaning for our dreams, meaning for our lives ultimately will come only from the Lord. Every place else you seek will disappoint you. Our hope and our meaning has always been intended to be found in Him and Him alone. And finally, this morning, God has a plan. God had a plan for Pharaoh, for the people of Egypt. And it was a plan that He would reveal through this former Hebrew slave. God's plan has a greater purpose. You see, when you're Joseph and you're sitting in the prison, you're probably going, what's the plan now, God? How's this going to affect me? And when Pharaoh has a dream that he can't understand, he's going, what's the plan? Can somebody tell me what the plan is? How's this going to affect me? But God moves and works in lives of people like a Hebrew slave, like people incarcerated, like regular people and like rulers and regular folk. And as God moves and works, there's something bigger and better and greater going on that often we don't even see at the moment. But God sees. God would lay out not only the meaning of the dream, but He would lay out a plan to this young Hebrew slave and He would be able to spell it out with clarity, clearness to Pharaoh. Something big was happening at this moment. Think about this. Pharaoh, ruler of Egypt, in a land of polytheism, people who worship multiple gods, who called on people practicing the occult to, to give them insight into dreams, the magicians. And what does God do? He raises up a Hebrew slave in such a profound way that Pharaoh and all of his advisors look at this kid and go, 
Is there anyone like this man in whom the Spirit of God lives? Think about that. And in the New Testament, what do we understand? That anyone who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ shall come and be filled with the very presence of Jesus, the Spirit of God indwelling you. Why? That the world might know that there is a God in heaven who moves and works in the hearts of regular people. Oh, that the Spirit of Jesus would be seen in me, that the Spirit of Jesus would be seen in you in that regular place of life, that He might raise you up at the right time, that others might see that there's hope when things look hopeless, that through the times of great drought and famine, when rich days are forgotten, that we would still see God at work that he's a plan to save not just Joseph, not just his family, but that God would break into human history because he loved the Egyptians and his plan would touch their hearts and their lives. The prophet Isaiah, years later, would pen these words by inspiration of the Spirit. Listen to me, distant nations, You people who live far away, before I was born, the Lord chose me and appointed me to be his servant. The Lord said to me, I have a greater task for you, my servant. Not only will you restore to greatness the people of Israel who have survived, but I will also make you a light to the nations so that all the world may be saved. You are the light of the world, Jesus said to those who believed in him. Will you shine that the world might see Jesus? Because there are times when we feel so hopeless in this world, like we have no idea how we're going to get through. Could God be up to something more in your life than you even see right now. On Wednesday night, Matt Slocum began teaching, and he shared the story of a young man whose dreams had been uh, pretty much shattered. He had high hopes, and none of those things were coming to fruition, and he began to despair. He was 17 years old when he could see no purpose anymore for his life, and he tried to kill himself. He ended up in a hospital, near to death, critical condition. And God sent another young man. This happened in the country of India not so many years ago. A young man, not much older than the boy dying or near death in the hospital bed, a young man came carrying a little red Bible. The boy who tried to take his life said this, I want it out of my life. My life had no meaning. And then Fred David, a Youth for Christ worker, came into the hospital. He walked in with a little red Gideon's New Testament. The boy on the hospital bed was in such critical condition, having been dehydrated from drinking the poison, that he couldn't even reach out to take the Bible. His mother was there, took the Bible, and said to the young man, you can't stay here. My son's in critical condition. 
But this young Christian said to her, Ma'am, your son needs this more than anything else. And he opened his Bible and read these words of Jesus from John 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And then he went on and read verse 19, where Jesus said, Because I live, you also shall live. It was in those words and the promise of life that led Ravi Zacharias to commit his life to Christ. He said, the power of the word of God to crack open this encrusted heart of a young man who had never had the wisdom to open it before. I began to pray, Lord, if you are the Lord of life, take me out of this hospital room. I will leave no stone unturned in my pursuit of truth. And Ravi Zacharias would recover. And God would raise him up and use him to become one of the greatest defenders of the Christian faith of our time. Ravi went home to the Lord about a month ago. But he would be used to speak to hundreds of thousands of people around the world, to university students of every country around the world, resulting in many coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And the young man who brought him the Bible would one day say, I think to myself, the main reason God brought me into this world was to bring a Bible to you. Why has God brought you into this world? It's for a bigger and better plan than maybe you know right now. You may be young. You don't know what God's plan is. He knows, and it's a good plan. He wants to use you to his honor, his glory. Maybe you're older like me and you're going, Lord, can you use old guys? What's the purpose? What's the plan, Lord? What do you have in store? And you may find yourself in between somewhere on the edge of discovering what God's plan is. Look to him. Call to him. He will show you the way because he is the way. May he use you to be a light that the world may know that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen.